Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast. I'm your host, Elena Fox. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time. And that whenever and wherever you happen to be in this first day of the ethereal portal, I hope that you're able to recognize and realize all of the energies coming your way and that you're able to navigate them uh, clearly and with a sound, clear, concise mentality. We are here on November 1st. We have a series of portals and gateways and we are back to another eclipse season. And this is an energy that is unprecedented because we've never been here before. We have had eclipse seasons in the past, but we are at a higher vibration than we were in the last eclipse season and last year at this time, especially. When you look over where you've been in the past year, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically, for some of you, some of you have moved. I have moved. I, I moved from an amazing house, a townhouse in a gated community to a crappy little apartment on the coast um, that's unfinished. I'm literally living in a construction zone, but for half price <laughs> from where I was. But I know it's a move forward for me, and I know that I'm moving to an even better place next. So I'm okay with that. So even if you made a lateral move or even a lesser move in your opinion, you're still moving forward. And I want you to pay attention to the energy that happened over this weekend. Yesterday was Halloween. So I know I said it last week, but happy Halloween late. If uh, you didn't hear last week's show or the Halloween episode that I did last Thursday, I want you to pay attention to the energy that happened um, on the 30th and the 31st. We had all of this massive amount of energy coming from the coronal mass ejection from the sun. It hit us and the scientists are saying that because the cameras only picked up some of the faint red glow that it really wasn't all that much of a punch. But within 40 minutes of it hitting... I had to look it up because I'm like, man, I've been feeling for almost an hour now. I've been feeling this energy and I bet that, I bet that sucker hit us. I think that already, uh, came our way and it was direct from the sun to us. That affects our physical body, our ability to think it affects electronics. Sometimes it, it depends, you know, on, on how much energy and where you are at on the globe or whatever, but it affects us spiritually. It touches the mitochondria of our DNA and gives us a different way to feel our energetic, uh, nature. You know, we either feel super tired or super energized depending. And, um, somebody on, on Instagram actually did say that they know that this one, at least psychically, they could tell this is the one that's affecting our mitochondria. And I was kind of excited about that because I've had some 
shitty things going on with my mitochondria for the past 30 years uh, because I had a disease that was affecting me. Um, Every few months I get very, very tired and very sick. And it's been, it, it was a governmental experimental thing that I picked up accidentally it was totally by accident and um i don't know i don't want to talk about too too much about it but um it's epstein-barr virus but i had an extremely virulent genetically modified form of that that i picked up on an army base and um so when i read that i was like oh yes good maybe my mitochondria will finally be fixed (laughs) so i just, I was aware of all this energy coming at us. And I felt like a flash of light that happened inside of my body. It was like it enveloped me and then it flashed from inside my body and inside my, my third eye and my crown chakra started to glow. You know, I felt it like it was glowing I felt like if I had an infrared camera, I could have taken a picture of it. I I bet my aura was going crazy. And I felt this energy and I just started feeling this fuzzy, energetic, glowing kind of vibration inside my body. And when I closed my eyes, all I could see was pure white light. It was almost like, you know, how if you ever look at the sun and don't look directly at the sun, but I'm sure you've glanced at the sun and oh shit, that hurt my eyes, you know. Well, that's what it felt like when I closed my eyes inside my body was filled with the light that looked like I had the sun inside my body. And when it hit, it was, it was dark here. It was nighttime. But when I closed my eyes, it was like bright, bright, bright day inside my mind, inside my third eye, inside, like, it was crazy. The energy was so, so intense. And that lent lent itself, led itself, lent, I guess is a word right there. (laughs) It lent itself towards this intense series of dreams and my body, like everything flipped a switch for me two days ago. And I started going to bed. At least I'm not going to make it tonight, (laughs) but two nights in a row, I went to bed at 10 o'clock at night woke up at 4:17 both mornings following going to bed that early woke up at 4:17 and or i mean actually that's not true i woke up 4 hours and 17 minutes later so i was listening to this 8 hour music and 4 hours and 17 minutes i would come in here and in uh pause the music so that i can continue to listen when I go to sleep, it, it, I was listening to Miracle Forest ASMR. Um, the past two nights, I've been listening to this fairy. It's like fairy garden. I think it's what it's called. And it has like little chirpy voices and um, cricket sounds. And as you know, uh, it's actual cricket sounds that she recorded or that she probably got from a sampler uh, program. But the sound of crickets actually dislodges, uh, energy in the, um, matrix pattern that makes up this, uh, third dimension. And when negative ideas and negative thoughts and fear-based energies, such as dog barks, when dogs are 
angry or they're upset or they're filled with fear. It like gets stuck like glue into the matrix and creatures like birds and crickets will come along and dislodges that energy so that we have a, a clear, beautiful, higher vibration, you know, so the fear from the dogs doesn't get stuck and just hang in the air like that. And, um, cats don't have, uh, this kind of an energy. It's weird. And I, it's something I was channeling prime creator a few months back. And that's when it hit me like, Oh my God, that's dogs. Don't sometimes they bark without of happiness, but when they bark out of fear, when they bark out of anger or get out of my yard kind of energy that ends up being stuck in the matrix. And if there's nothing around to get rid of that, then that energy will be stuck and it becomes like a pattern in the environment, almost in the structure of the matrix itself when, you know, which is beyond our, um, physical senses. It's beyond our eyesight. It's beyond our ability to see. And it's, um, we have everything in this world is made up of energy, nothing else. Um, you know, science backs that up. So this is deep metaphysics, you know, um, in a way dumbed down just because I don't know all the heavy duty metaphysical terms right now, (laughs) but this is like quantum mechanics mixed with spirituality. When you want to talk about what the show is, that's kind of what it is. It's, it's, metaphysics to me is where science and spirituality meet meta in in the middle basically and um so i i've been thinking about all these things and this light i believe is something that comes through and just wishes through the physical 3d matrix and it just whisks away a bunch of, um, debris. So imagine if, um, say you have a a little piece of fruit on a counter and it's been there for a while, like a slice of an apple or whatnot, and it's gathered fruit flies, right? This is like kind of a gross, (laughs) a gross example that's coming to my mind right now. But if, so say you have like a piece of fruit, like a piece of plum or a peach or something, and it's just like a slice of fruit and it fell on the counter when you're making breakfast in the morning, you forget about it, come back in the afternoon, and now there's a bunch of fruit flies hovering about this, okay? So imagine that, you know, say the uh, the fruit, the piece of fruit is people's negative energy, negative thoughts, you know, fear from dogs barking, all the crap, right? And then the fruit flies hovering around, say those are each, each individual fruit fly would be like all of the negative um thoughts and negative and those are, and you're actually seeing the negativity, right? You see what originally caused it, you know, and then you see the negativity and then, um, you take a giant fan that is, so, so say, uh, say the piece of fruit itself was the root cause of one of your fears, like, um, something that actually happened to you. And then the fruit flies are just the thoughts surrounding that. So if you take that and you go, well, I'm going to really work on this. This is my shadow side, cleaning up the fruit, wiping off the counter, cleansing it completely, throwing it away. It's gone. And the fruit flies are still hanging around there because there's still the thoughts, the buzzing about of the thoughts, right? And then you take, um, you open the door (laughs) and you take a giant fan and you just whoosh all of those thoughts out. 
right? So if you imagine you just take a big fan and just, and all those thoughts are gone. All the fruit flies are out the door. (laughs) Well, I feel like in a way that big fan in our metaphor would be the sun. And when it breaks off a coronal mass ejection and hurls it our way and blasts us with so much light, those of us that are energy sensitive, those of us that feel these energetic waves, um, and I see them in my mind's eye. I don't see it with my physical eyes. Um, I don't have the quantum physical vision. I have a, a little bit of a quantum vision, but only from, you know, when I close my eyes and I see it from my third eye and I could feel it and I could sense it. Um, other people might have it a little bit stronger than me, but it's something that we all have the ability eventually to tap into. But I feel like, um, it kind of just comes in and whooshes away a lot of debris, like so many fruit flies hovering above a piece of fruit, you know, it was just like a big fan, just blowing it away. And I feel like sometimes it might dislodge bigger things, bigger ideas that have been stuck and under the surface for a very long time. And I was thinking this morning before I ever got on the internet that this has something to do with, um, this energy is clearing out the energy of mistrust between cultures, mistrust between peoples, um, hurt from the past, like the very far past hundreds of years ago. And also possibly has something to do with our own ancestors and trying to clear the past from them. And then I got a notification after I got up and I turned on my tablet and got back on the internet. Cause I always shut my tablet off after disengaging from the internet because I feel like I don't want to be spied on somehow. I don't know if it, if it does that somehow, but I feel like if I don't, if I don't turn off the internet before turning off the tablet and then I turn back on the tablet, somehow it's getting this, um, it's catching something where I have, um, all of my storage is gone. Like I have an extra, you know, I don't even know gigabyte or I don't know, kilobyte or whatever, but I have all this extra storage and it's, and they always says your storage is out. You have no more storage. You have to erase things. And it's like, what the hell? But if I shut off the internet and then I shut off the tablet and I wait like 12 hours and then I turn it back on. Oh, look, one gigabyte or whatever has cleared itself up randomly. <laughs> you know? And I feel like it has to do with the internet somehow. Maybe I'm being spied on. I don't know what it is. Anyway, if you're a computer person or a technical person, you can kind of explain it to me and tell me what I need to do about this. But anyway, um, because it keeps saying I have no storage. And then I, once I do that, suddenly I, it just frees itself up ironically. And I clear my cache several times a day. So, um, it is kind of a weird thing. So anyway, so I get on my tablet and I don't have any messages because I'm not on the internet yet. Get on the internet after I'm thinking about this thing with the ancestors. And suddenly I get a, an announcement from the, uh, YouTube channel rustling around. And it's this man whose name is Russell. So it's kind of a play on words. It's R U S S E L L I N G around 
and it's two words rustling around. And he's from, I think the UK, but he lives in Mexico. So he's an expatriate like me. And I mean, he looks like somebody that I would have known and been friends with some when I was in central, um, part, the central part of, um, it's not really central America. I guess it's technically North America, but it's the South South part of North America. And, um, so when I was in Mexico and Guatemala, I feel like he's somebody I, I should have known from then. And I might've even met him, you know, hell, I might've seen him in a restaurant, had a conversation or something. Cause he's a little bit familiar. He's a lot like my friend, uh, Twatrick actually. But, um, anyway, he had this 40 minute conversation where he was uh, drawing cards today and he said something about this energy has something to do deep with your ancestors and clearing and dislodging yourself from having that kind of um, deep DNA interaction with them, with their stuff that was their stuff that ended up being in your DNA. And I thought, oh my God. This guy's really on to something. So I do recommend today's episode, the November 1st episode of rustling around. He's going to come back tomorrow with another episode. I'll probably listen tomorrow morning, um, to see what he has to say about this, because this idea kind of started with this really crazy, uh, dream that I had, that has kind of stayed with me all day. And I'm going to tell you guys this dream. It didn't make any sense, but it was so freaking real that it kind of felt like on some level it was real. And my mind interpreted it in a different way. So, okay, here we go. Hello, darling. Okay. So I had a, come on. (laughs) I walk into the other room for a second and here the cat is meowing her head off. Okay, so I had this dream, you guys. You wanna say hi to the people first? Okay, that was a hello for you guys. That was knowledge, Ravenspell, my beloved queen. (laughs) That's what they call cats when they're more than one year old, they're called queens. And in her case, it just suits her. Anyway, um. So this dream that I had, guys, was so disturbing. And it might not sound disturbing when I describe it to you, but it was an energy to it that was beyond what it sounds like. Okay, so in in my dream, I lived in a little village like I live here, but I live here at the beach in Ecuador. In my dream, I was in what I am deeming to be the highlands of Mexico inland kind of in the mountains <clears throat> but it was all dirt roads like it is here so very similar vibe um but I lived with a tribal in, in 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 on tribal lands like I do here but I was in this tribal land and I don't know exactly why except other than to uh clear some energy that spirit asked me to go and they had like a little um a little tiny house that was for rent and it was not very much money. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to rent it just for a little while, like a couple months. And they said, okay. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to a campground where you pull in your car and you, um, or your trailer with your, um, 
electric and there's like little electric hookups where you can plug things in. And, um, even if you're in a tent, you could like plug in, I don't know what blow dryer, whatever. But, um, if you have like a little tiny RV or tent trailer, you could plug your electricity in and now you've got light inside, but it's like, um, an electric thing. It's like a stake that comes up out of the ground and there's like a, a little plug in there. Well, in my dream, I had a, I had a little refrigerator. They said that we also rent out the refrigerator with the house. It's kind of because there's not, there's only like a generator electricity for the house. So it's like a simple light bulb. And so, but they had this more, uh, I don't know, 220 or whatever. I don't know. It was like a better kind of electricity outside. So there was like this little tiny old, old, like 1950s refrigerators, like rounded on the edges. And it was like kind of an off white kind of a cream. And, um, you know, you open it up and it's like the freezer and the refrigerator behind one giant door and with little tiny freezer trays, but it never quite, the freezer part doesn't quite work. So I was only, I was only using it for the refrigerator part. And in my dream, I had some vegetables out there and, um, I was always worried that even though that's technically my refrigerator, that nobody else in the village had a refrigerator that, um, they would plug in other things like electric griddles or whatever to that little post that had only a couple electricity things to it. And I felt like they were jealous. I felt like they were going to, um, maybe like steal my food or poison my food, or there was like a mistrust there. Right. And I was always worried about it, but I thought I have to just go with what my instinct is. They know I'm an energy shaman. I told them I'm here as an energy shaman. I'm here to raise the vibration of the, the, the planet itself, that the people are fine and I'm here to help anyone I, that I need to help, but they didn't trust me. And I'm like, I don't even know why I would be in a place like this, but in my dream, my son had been living with me and then he left just like happened in real life here in Ecuador. And then I was alone in the highlands of Mexico. And so I, um, was in my bed in my bedroom in Mexico. And all of a sudden there was like a hole where my heart is and this energetic wave came through and I no longer feel my heart. There's no heartbeat and I think I'm dead. And so I can't get out of bed for hours. And I think in real life that happened to me. <laughs> so while I'm dreaming this, this is what I'm actually feeling. I remember waking up a few moments and then going back into the same dream. And during those few moments, I'm putting my, my fingers up on my pulse on my neck and I don't feel a pulse. And I'm like, what the fuck? Did I die? This kind of sucks. <laughs> Haven't even met my twin flame yet. I'm like laying in bed in Ecuador. I'm dead, right? You know, I'm dreaming like I'm in Mexico. This is crazy. So whatever. Go back to sleep. Still can't move very much. I'm like, whatever. It might have been a blood sugar low dream. I don't know. But it was very weird because um, finally I forced myself to get up in my dream. And I go outside to my little 1950s refrigerator that's plugged in at the stake <laughs> and I open it and I think I can't, there's no Pedialyte. There's no stores. I could just go get electrolytes. I just, I have to have electrolytes. And the only thing in my fridge 
is these stalks of celery. I only had a couple left, but I thought, Hey, I'll eat the stalks of celery. That'll give me enough energy where I could go, you know, down to, um, the nearest town, maybe catch a bus, go to the store, get Pedialyte, get what I need, my supplies and come back. And I get out there and even though the freezer and this refrigerator doesn't work, I, I bite into the stalk of celery and the outside of it was, um, dry as hell. And the inside of it was slushy, like a, like a, like a frozen slushy and was frozen in the center of the stalk of celery. And I go to bite it and it was like this celery slushy. It was terrible. And yet I was so hungry in my dream that I was like eating this and kind of sucking this celery slushy up through the stalk of the celery, like a straw. And I was thinking there's something really fucked up about this because this was fresh yesterday. I think somebody did something to my celery. And then I started thinking I might be poisoned. There might be something really seriously wrong. And I started to really think about it. And I started to look around and I had knowledge with me in my dream. And we were looking at each other and I'm like, Hey girl, do you think they did something to me? And she's just looking at me and kind of meowing like she does. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to do, what to make of this. And then I looked up and I saw kind of off in the distance, I saw the chief of the tribe and he kind of gave me a dirty look and he turned his back on me. And then I saw this other woman who kind of looked around. She looked to the right. She looked to the left. She looked at me and she kind of did that motion. Like, come here, come here real fast, you know? And then she hit her hand under a blanket and like, come on. I'm like, all right. And she invited me into her house and I noticed that her little house, I never noticed it before. So like seemed like it appeared out of nowhere. And I went into the house and she said, okay, look, these guys are very jealous of you. You're probably going to want to leave. I don't care if you paid for the rest of the month, you're probably going to want to leave. I don't trust them. And I don't think that you should be here. And while I'm standing there, I'm thinking they sent her to tell me this. And I started feeling all kinds of weird and paranoid. And I felt all this dark energy. <laughs> and I felt like there's something really weird and dark. And, and she said, they've stolen your heart. And I'm like, excuse me. And she's like, yeah, they've stolen your heart. You don't feel a heartbeat. And I'm like, no, I don't feel a heartbeat. And she said, yeah, they did a ceremony to steal your heart. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, how am I still walking around? Am I dead? And she says, no, you're not dead yet. But it, but I would recommend that you break up with any boyfriend you have and stop seeing anybody in EO at all and make sure they leave. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, because you want to save their life. And I'm like, this is fucking scary as hell. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah. So if you don't in a certain amount of time, they're going to make sure this person dies. And I'm like, what? And I remember feeling emotionally like crazy, like what? This doesn't make any sense. And then it felt like overpoweringly, um, very negative, very dark. And, um, then I'm like, well, maybe they sent her to say this so that I would believe it. And I thought, well, half of magic is believing the negative stuff so that it's self-fulfilling prophecy. And I'm an archangel and I have more power over this shit. I am an energy shaman. And I'm like, do they not know that I'm here as a shaman to fucking help them? And I'm here to help you. And she says, no, I know it. I know it. And then she started kind of looking a little shifty and I'm like, oh, she didn't believe me none of these people believed me. Right. And so then I said, okay, well, thank you so much. I'm going to go back and break up with my boyfriend in New York, which is insane. I don't have a boyfriend in New York. I don't have a boyfriend at all. And she's like, well, you were seeing a guy here. You need to not see him anymore. 
I'm like, well, that was my son. And as soon as I said that, I went, oh my God, now they know I have a son. Oh my God. maybe they're going to do something to my son. You know, and then I have that panic attack. And I'm like, there's a self-fulfilling prophecy again. Right? So anyway, this insane dream, I'm like, okay, I'm going to break up with them. And I'm like, what about my cat? Is my cat safe? And I'm like, why am I just giving these people ideas? Right? I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, okay, I'll leave. Tell them I'll leave. I just came here to help because I was asked by, you know, the great spirit, prime creator, God, basically to, to help the land itself so that you guys will have a more prosperous, prosperous future and that you have a higher vibration energy and you don't have to mistrust me. I'm here because I'm also a tribal person. I was asked as like, I'm, I'm, I'm part Cherokee. I've got the same blood in my veins that you guys have, you know, even though you're in Mexico and my tribes from, you know, the East coast of the U S I still have, we have genetic ancestors in common. And I'm like trying to explain to my dream. This is how it is. Like I'm here because our people are tied somehow. I was asked because of genetic familial lines to come and heal and repair something going on here. I'm just here to give you guys a love, nothing else. I'm not going to live here forever. I'm not bringing in an invading army. I'm not here to bring in my, my kids, my family. I'm just here for like a couple months and then I'm going to leave. And she said, Oh, well, we didn't know that. Like, well, I told you the first day, <laughs> like God, you know, we, you guys weren't paying attention. And she's like, well, we didn't know what to make of you. And I'm like, okay, well, that's what you make of me. That's all, you know, but you know, fuck it. Fuck y'all. All y'all can just fuck off now. You know, you're here trying to scare me. You're ruining my celery. <laughs> you're threatening my, my boyfriend in New York, whatever. I'm out of here. I'm out of y'all. I'm out of 5,000, right? Like, like laughing about it. Like, I'm out of here. So I wake up going, that was like the weirdest effing dream. That was so insane. Like what? And it's been like eight hours or something since I've woken up from this dream. And I'm like, still like, that was really weird. I, why, why? I mean, I saw her face plain as day. If I met her tomorrow, I would know her. If I walked onto that tribal land tomorrow, I would know this is where I had the dream. I mean, it felt real on some level. It was real. And I'm thinking there's this general mistrust throughout, um, many people's family lines and even in tribal communities, obviously, you know, being fearful of the white man, cause it's a white man that have been fucking around everything all over the planet and ruining people's lives and sense of peace and all kinds of crap. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. My skin looks white, but I mean, in my heart, I'm like, you know, the reverse apple. I'm, I'm seriously, I'm like a red velvet cake over here. I look white on the outside, <laughs> maybe a little bit fluffy. I might even smell like cream cheese. I don't know, but I know that in, on the inside, I'm, you know, my heart beats red cause I'm native inside. Right. So I'm like, okay, look, y'all don't understand me. I could talk to the chief tomorrow and explain myself again. I thought you all knew I'm here. It's just a temporary thing, you know, but then I'm leaving, you know, I, I'm not here to bust your chops or anything. I'm just, you know, I'm not here just to take advantage of the, you know, cheap rent. I could have lived somewhere else. You know, I literally was here to energetically heal this land. So then I woke up like, Oh shit, is there a brujo? Is he trying to 
screw with me? Are the tribal people here in Ecuador messing with me? And then I realized, well, I wasn't even in Ecuador in my dream. And so I started doing all my muscle testing, asking Prime Creator, where was I? Where was I? And I finally got, you're in the highlands of, of Mexico. But then I asked, was I actually bilocated there? The answer was no. Was I there astrally? The answer was yes. So I'm still kind of trying to heal <laughs> the highlands of Mexico and the distrust, the mistrust and the negativity in the brew house, you know, like they have all this magical power and yet they're using it for evil, not good. They're not going towards unity. They're going towards separation still. And I started thinking about how this has gone through the genetic family lines and how we have the shit in our DNA whether you are a conquered people or a conquering people, maybe not you specifically, if you're listening to this, you're probably, um, probably not a conquering person, but maybe in your family line, you might be one way or the other, one side of the coin or the other. So if you are, you have to heal it. You got to look it up. You got, you know, that's a piece of fruit. You got to pick it up get it off the counter, wipe the counter and, and accept the energy of the sun of the fan to blow away the fruit flies, the negative thoughts and energetic things that come with this kind of a thing. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like a freaky metaphor. Sorry about that. It's the only thing I could think of on the fly. Cause as you know, I don't pre-write these. I just think about how, huh, what do I want to talk about today? And then I just, boom, I just go. This is all extemporaneous speech. Every single episode of mine is extemporaneous. Um, at least the introductions, I just make this up on the fly. So anyway, I, on the fly, <laughs> no pun intended. See, <laughs> you can't make up this shit. I just, <laughs> anyway, I was listening to this rustling around episode and he said, you need to view what was going on in your, you know, in your DNA, what's inside your body. Cause what happened with your ancestors, what they think, what they believe, what are their, you know, whatever, but also you need to extract yourself from that. You have to break up with your ancestors. Not really stuck with me. I'm like, yeah, I need to break up with my ancestors, you know, um, for whatever reason, obviously in my tribal part of my lineage. We're afraid of the white people. Obviously we're afraid of the, um, the conquering people clearly. So that might be, um, something that was an energetic signature on some level. I'm matching to this tribe in Mexico. I don't know, but, um, so I'm going to work on that. I've got to break up with my ancestors and this is a perfect day to do it. Today is, um, Dia de los Difuntos in Ecuador, or at least that's tomorrow, is the, the equivalent of the Day of the Dead, although in, in, in Ecuador we call it the Day of the Deceased, I found out, that's tomorrow. Today is the Day of the Saints, the All Saints Day, which is what um, all babies that died um, while they were in their mother's womb or within the first year of living today is the day to celebrate, um, the fact that they're safe at home in heaven with God and the angels and that they're, um, we just remember and honor all the babies. And, you know, in the weeks leading up, I told you guys last week, I got a Wawa 
which is like a little, it's spelled G-U-A-G-U-A. It's a little baked good that looks like a, a little baby wrapped up in a blanket and has a little frosting on it. It's like a dry bread with frosting on the outside and on the inside there's like the equivalent of blood, but it's actually like a f- strawberry filling. It's kind of freaky. I know it's freaky, but very Halloween-ish kind of a gory piece of bread, but it's, um, <clears throat> you eat it and you remember and honor, uh, babies that have passed. So if you've ever gotten an abortion or you've had a miscarriage or you've had a baby die of sudden infant death syndrome or whatever. And by the way, you can prevent that. If you have a baby, please take brewer's yeast, especially if you are a nursing mom take brewer's yeast and look up on Dr. Berg about this because he talked about it. They made a connection with whatever it is in brewer's yeast. Um, and I think also magnesium, if you take a supplement of magnesium, all of that will be transmitted through the, um, milk. If you are breastfeeding and you will save your baby's life if they are somehow missing these, uh, minerals or vitamins. So like a weird aside, but I just, somebody, I know one of you is a nursing mother that does listen to the show and writes me often. So keep that in mind. Please go look this up. Um, you know, I know. And in fact, I know who you are and I know, (laughs) I know you eat extremely healthy, but just, you know, the brewer's yeast, put it on popcorn or, you know, take it in pill form, whatever. Um, mix it in with your food, especially in your salad. It tastes like cheese. It tastes good. And it's also vegan. And it's very, very, I, I have some hair. I, I take it often. Apparently it actually stops you from snoring. And I've noticed that I have less plaque on my teeth. If I take this at night in the morning, I have like, I don't have to brush my teeth as hard because, um, I think I'm not snoring as much. So it actually does work. It's kind of nice. But anyway, so I was thinking about all this stuff and then I saw this rustling around thing and I just was blown away by that. So make sure this is the time you can still love your ancestors, but understand that your soul probably doesn't come back into the same family again and again and again and again. You've probably been throughout, you know, if you have a hundred lifetimes, that's at least 200 or 400 family lines. If you want to count your grandparents as well as your parents. So you have to understand that, um, you have, you have a lot of freaking ancestors and, but whatever physical body you're in now, that's the ancestors that you're dealing with on a DNA level. And those people might have some deep seated fears that you have to, you know, clear away with the energy of the sun or the crickets as you were, or the fan. But, um, I had just accepted the light from this coronal mass ejection as it was hitting. I said, out loud, I accept the energy of this to clear away all the debris in all of my cells. And then as I breathed in, I imagined all of my cells in my body opening up and I pulled the light in consciously. And, and, um, and I just did that several times and my whole body was filled with light. I felt lighter (laughs) in many, many, many ways. And then I fell asleep and then I had this crazy dream, which is a venting dream. This is the very last thing I dreamt right before I woke up. So it was a venting dream. So that was a debris that I was clearing out. Um, DNA ancestors being afraid of conquering people coming in and feeling like they need to, um, so it was like very deep, very ancestral, very, very 
in the past kind of thing. I know I'd love to get my DNA tested. If I find out I'm part Mexican, I'm going to be like, oh my God, that's so exciting. Because now I understand that I might have been talking to my ancestors. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I don't even know. It's very, it's such a weird thing though. Um, I don't think I'm Mexican, but it, I, you know, I don't know. I don't doubt anything anymore. You know, I'm probably several races in one. I don't know. But um, I know for a fact I'm Irish and Cherokee and possibly Scottish and German for sure. A little bit of German, but which is why I've got this Odin connection. Um, the number 444 has been everywhere. 222 has been everywhere. Uh, angel numbers for this week um, or for the weekend. Oh, gosh. I keep feeling like something is on me. I'm like looking down at my feet right now. Oh my God. I keep feeling things crawling on me. It is freaking me out. There's nothing there. I turn around and there's literally nothing there. I keep expecting a spider, but it's not there. I don't want a spider on me. Hear that spider. If you're really there, see, there's like nothing there. I felt like something just grabbed me from underneath my chair that I'm sitting on. Speaking of spirits, (laughs) the veil between worlds being thin. I keep feeling things grabbing my legs. It's like, what the hell? Freaking stop touching me, dude. <laughs> not cool. Not okay, man. But uh, something just grabbed my uh, ankles. <laughs> I mean, it's night out, but I mean, I've got the lights on. It's not that late. <sighs> I, I look forward to the thinning of the veil between the worlds getting a lot thicker. <laughs> Again, because I, oh, it just gives me the willies. It's hard to live alone. You know, it's just me and my cat and she's in the other room right now. It's really hard to live alone. And then this shit happens. It's like, oh my God. (laughs) But it's weird. I I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have anything. So I don't know. I feel like a lot of that was just venting out. Maybe I'm venting out the fear of having people cast spells on me, which is insane. I haven't had that fear in a very, very long time. In fact, I don't think I've ever consciously had that fear. It might be a DNA thing as well. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's the energy, but I feel like this cleared out a lot of those debris. It, like in, in my psyche, in my DNA, in my physical body, it just cleared out a lot of crap. Well, we'll see what happens. I'm going to go burn some incense in a little bit um, and burn it throughout my house, including my bedroom. I'm going to change my bed sheets. I'm going to try to make it as clean as possible in my room and in my house. But I did walk, I wake up today and we have no, we have water, but very little running water. Um, normally we have you know plenty of water, plenty of pressure and a freak accident happened, uh, to the water tank that literally was storing enough water for us to have for like the next seven to 10 days in the event that the city water is cut off. Um, we had enough to, for the four people living on this property, plus the two cats living on this property, we had enough water for us to live for the next seven to 10 days, maybe even two weeks, like without a care in the world, without a worry. And he told me it was like a freak accident you know, the landlord said, yeah, it's like, um, a piece of, uh, wood fell and fell accidentally somehow into the tank and a giant hole like randomly appeared. And the person that would come to repair it because of the day of the dead for two whole days will not be available. 
because it's the, because yesterday was Halloween. Today is, um, all souls day. Tomorrow's all saints day in the Catholic tradition. But also here we have the day of the, um, babies, the day of the, this is so weird. This, they don't really call it anything, but it's kind of like the day of the dead babies. This is the day where everyone is remembering all of the miscarriages. No one has abortions here. It's illegal, but all the miscarriages, all the babies that died, all the young kids that died. This is the time where everyone, it's kind of a morose, kind of a sad day, but everyone eats this colada morada is kind of a, um, a strange fruit drink, kind of like with, um, purple fruits and along with the wawa bread. And so people are kind of remembering today. And then tomorrow is the celebration. Supposedly there's supposed to be like, a um, I don't know, like parades and, you know, people eat on top of the graves, um, of their loved ones who passed. So there might be like celebrations in the cemeteries. So I might take, I, I live down the street from the cemetery. I might just take a walk down there and see what's going on. Um, just because it's such a strange thing and, um, but also very sweet, but, um, I don't know. I'm going to try to contact my ancestors as well. I'll just burn a candle for them and tell them I love them. And all the people passed before me as well. My more recent ancestors, like my parents and grandparents, but, um, anyway, yeah, I don't know this veil between the world thing. It's just so, it's so weird and so freaky and this thing and I'm literally looking underneath my chair I see nothing I literally see nothing there there's not even a hair I thought maybe because I have long hair maybe one of my hairs came from the bottom of the chair but there's nothing there oh my god stop touching me (laughs) oh it's so freaky why why does this keep happening (laughs) Uh, but anyway um so I don't know I want you guys to try to utilize the energy of the sun, the energy of the solar winds, the energy of the plasma all around you just to cleanse your DNA, to cleanse your cells, to cleanse, um, energetic debris from your aura, your chakras and everything else as you progress through this portal time, which is today is one, 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 and this especially powerful time goes through 11-11, the 11th of November. So it is a really intense time. And I think it's just a time this year, at least, to cleanse any DNA crap from your ancestors. Just clear it all away and also unhook yourself uh, from it in the way that... Um, you won't really be affected by it anymore because in a way you're passing through. I mean, if you're like me, you know, you're just passing through. I'm not going to be in this ancestry again. I don't believe. Um, and if I am cool, you know, whatever, but if I'm not, you know, I don't think I've ever been, you know, I'm asking God muscle testing says, no, I've never been in this family line. If I get to come in this family line again now, uh -uh. I was just here, you know, for a while, just this life only. So I don't really need to be hooked to it. I don't need to be connected to, you know, I'm going to heal it to the extent that I possibly can, but I don't need to carry it in my soul ever again. Right. This is, I'm not even, you know, it's in my DNA. I don't, I'm clearing it from that physical level, but I don't need it in my soul and neither do you guys. So 
break up with your ancestors. I mean, still love them, honor them. Sure. But just take the energy of their trauma, heal it to the extent that you can and just clear it away. Imagine like a fan blowing it away. Use utilizing the energy of the sun. I think that was the biggest message I had from today. So anyway, that's my (laughs) energetic shaman, um, energy report, I suppose for today. Um, so happy November 1st guys today. The solar wind speed is 417.1 kilometers per second. According to spaceweather.com. There's a really gorgeous picture of a pretty beautiful pink sky with the Milky way galaxy in the background. It is an incredible and strange picture on spaceweather.com. Um, this is the afterglow they're saying, um, from the 31st from Halloween they say it was a weak impact. I don't think it was so weak. <laughs> Did you guys feel a lot of crazy energy? Cause it might've been, you know, technically weak or maybe it popped us up to another timeline. And so on this timeline it was weak, but it was strong enough to pop us up. I thought of that as well. That might've been a potential, but they say it didn't spark the strong geomagnetic storms that they had forecasted. However, the afterglow was absolutely divine in this picture. It's like red and fuchsia and purple. And, you know, I think it's the yellow of the sun coming up. It it was absolutely incredible. And this picture was taken in New Zealand in, um, Queenstown by Minoru Yoneto took the picture. And, um, this was really beautiful. They said they're lucky that they had a new moon and a clear night and they were able to see it. They needed an astronomically modified camera to capture this much red color. Now I've seen this guy in the day, uh, when the sun was going down in Cuenca, I've seen this guy, this color and my camera could not picture, I could not capture this kind of red. And this is like, I would snap pictures of the sky and then look at my camera later. And it's like, it just looked like a normal white overcast sky. And I'm like, that's not what it looked like at all. It was like, I was seeing plasma. It was fuchsia and red and and all kinds of pink, like almost Barbie pink. And it's like, no, my eyes were seeing something way different than what my camera could see. And I was so bummed. So I'm looking at this going, well, I'm glad you can make modifications to your camera to see it. It's really, really cool. So they said it was like from 9 PM until 3 AM. And it's funny that they were seeing this in New Zealand. I didn't expect it to be so far south. So, um, in the auroras, the reds are the most delicate. They come from atomic oxygen at the top of earth's atmosphere and the oxygen atoms excited by the solar wind spit out red photons quite slowly. Now, so now it's funny that here it says that we had solar wind. It was actually a CME, you know, coronal mass ejection. So now they're kind of admitting there's a little bit of a solar wind as well which makes sense, right? So they say, um, uh, the atoms remain undisturbed that long to produce eerie red light, which is 110 seconds. So that's why it's like, it starts to, the oxygen atoms get excited by the solar wind and then they're still kind of undisturbed, I guess. I don't know. The, The explanation is here. If you want to check it out, it's a little, detailed and maybe too sciencey right now <laughs> for our purposes here, but just suffice to say we were affected on 
Halloween <laughs> by this intense um, uh, energy. So we do have another solar flare and a CME, and this is the update. Uh, Sunspot AR2887 erupted again today on November 1st. It did produce another M1 class solar flare and a plasma wave rippled across half of the solar disk. So this sounds freaking massive. Now the U.S. Air Force reports type 2 radio emissions that came from the shock front of a CME moving 600 kilometers per second through the sun's atmosphere. NOAA analysts are currently evaluating the possibility of a glancing blow from this coronal mass ejection that will be hitting us on the 4th of November. So stay tuned and I'm going to tell you guys more about it. And you can also go to spaceweather.com to read up on it yourself. Now it says here in the uh, day to day sunspot report, we're on sunspot 83 and AR2887 poses a continued threat for M-class solar flares. So that energy is just going to come and just keep on coming, and it's not going to stop. And it's going to be like this, I'm thinking, through the 11th of November, minimally. I don't see this sunspot breaking down anytime soon. It's about to go over the edge of the sun, I would say, in the next week or so. But when it comes back around, I think it still won't be broken up by the time it comes back around. This is below the equator of the sun, but man, it's, it's pretty intense. So anyway, um, neutron counts today are down because of course we're having the energy of the sun hitting us, which also protects us from outside outer space radiation. So it's gone down by 0.9%. The, uh, Ulu neutron counts are down. And according to the All Sky Fireball Network and NASA's All Sky Cameras, on today, November 1st, 2021, they reported 21 fireballs. 12 were sporadic, 4 were Orionids, 4 were Northern Taurids, 1 was a Omicron Eridanid. Now, they're just making this shit up, but I've never heard that one before. Have you ever heard of that before? Omicron, O-M-I-C-R-O-N, Omicron Eridanid, E-R-I-D-A-N-I-D, Eridanid. I don't know. I've never heard this before. That's so crazy. Literally learn something new every day on this website. <laughs> All right. So there are no significant coronal holes on the Earth side of the sun, but it does show that the very top part of the sun looks like it's starting to open up from this picture that was taken of the sun. So I... I mean, I would not be surprised if that doesn't open up and send a bunch of solar winds this way, this way in the next week or so, even though they say there's nothing open. That was a pretty massive picture. I mean, pretty massive hole in this picture. So I don't know what they're talking about, but it looks suspect to me. All right. So the Schumann residence today, the news coming out of Italy at Disclosure News dot it is showing that there was a spike of 41 hertz frequency remember uh the baseline the shuan resonance is 7.83 so 41 is for italy quite significant and if we uh look on um heartmouth institute heartmouth.org this is what was going on at 
Oh, this is interesting. It says at 23.2359. So it, the one minute before it changed to Halloween, this is where we were at. Um, California was at 88.588, being an angel number, 88.5 hertz frequency. Hofuf, Saudi Arabia, as well as Northland, New Zealand, were both at zero hertz frequency. Lithuania was at 138 hertz frequency. Alberta, Canada was at 135 hertz frequency. And last but not least, on the Schumann Resonances Power Scale in heartmath.org, Hulului, South Africa was at 198 hertz frequency. And again, around the whole world, 7.83 is the baseline. These are only merely the spikes, and that lets us know what is happening. So if you feel like you're out of sorts living in these areas, because every area has a different number, then you know that there's something going on. Um, can't quite, you know, just the frequency has been raised and it might make you feel, um, all the Ascension flu symptoms. Basically you might make you feel a little bit sick or whatever, but it's only cause we're raising our frequency. The earth is raising her frequency. Everything is going up, up, up. And we're getting the Schumann resonance spikes, I believe as a result of that. All right, guys, I'm going to take a quick break and we're going to hear a word from our beautiful sponsor, Jupiter jewels. And we're going to come right back and we're going to get into tonight's uh, latest installment of the Aquarian gospel of Jesus, the Christ by Levi right after this. This episode of Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast, is sponsored by Jupiter Jewels, an independent online crystal store, helping you to connect more deeply with all Jupiterian blessings, including spirituality, abundance, self-growth, and more. Providing affordable shipping across the UK, Europe, and North America, Jupiter Jewels can help you progress on your spiritual path with ease. Visit jupiter-jewels.com today to explore life's hidden jewels. That's jupiter-jewels.com. All right, guys. So over a hundred years ago, the Aquarian gospel of Jesus, the Christ was written. Uh, basically these people sat down to access the Akashic records of, uh, Yeshua, otherwise known as Jesus. And they uncovered some amazing things about his life, including the supposed lost years. They weren't actually lost. He was just out traveling the world and as he was traveling the world they called him different names in different places and so hello darling do you want to hear the story yeah you want to say hi to the people okay yeah that she she definitely wants to be a part of the show you want to be a part of the show tonight huh don't want me to hold you for a while i might have to pause this while the kitty needs her holding (laughs) she She's shot out of the bedroom like a cannon at me. (laughs) Hi, honey. Okay. So, uh, basically, uh, these people wanted to know what was, 
what actually happened during his life and how different is it from the actual Bible, I guess. And so they, one person went into a trance to access the Akashic records while the other person wrote down everything that the first person was saying, basically. And this is the, um, what they came up with. So where we left off was, uh, Jesus had, uh, gone to a school in Egypt and he's going through these degrees and he is in this, um, kind of like a secret, uh, brotherhood. And he already went through the two degrees we read about last week. And now we're on chapter 50 where we're talking about the third brotherhood test. And, uh, so basically this is Jesus in Egypt now. Well, I had to hold a kitty. <laughs> she would not let me not hold her. So we had to have a 20 minute long cuddle where she put her arms around my head and hugged me really strongly <laughs> and she rubbed her face all over my face and it was adorable anyway now she's on my backpack which she'll probably start scratching in a little bit she <clears throat> hates my backpack because that's what I take with me every time I leave the house um, for more than a couple days and uh, <laughs> so if you guys hear her scratching in a few minutes that's her taking her frustration out on the thing that makes me leave the house, I think. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what's in her cat mind. I don't know. Anyway, here we are. Uh, chapter 50. Jesus passes the third brotherhood test and receives the third degree faith. The Logos waited seven days and then was taken to the Hall of Fame, a chamber rich in furnishings, and lighted up with gold and silver lamps. The colors of its ceilings, decorations, furnishings, and walls were blue and gold. Its shelves were filled with books of master minds. The paintings and the statues were the highest art, the works of highest art. And Jesus was entranced with all this elegance and these manifests of thought. He read the sacred books and sought the meanings of the symbols and the hieroglyphs. And when he was absorbed in deepest thought, a priest approached and said, behold the glory of this place. My brother, you are highly blessed. Few men of earth so young have reached such heights of fame. Now, if you do not waste your life and search for hidden things that men can never comprehend, you may be founder of a school of thought that will ensure your endless fame. For your philosophy is deeper than that of Plato and your teachings please the common people more than those of Socrates. Why seek for mystic light within these antiquated dens? Go forth and walk with men and think with men and they will honor you. And after all, these weird initiations may be myths and your Messiah hopes, but base illusions of the hour. 
I would advise you to renounce uncertain things and choose the course that leads to certain fame. And thus the priest, a demon in disguise, sung siren songs of unbelief. And Jesus meditated long and well on what he said. The conflict was a bitter one. For King Ambition is a sturdy foe to fight. For 40 days, the higher wrestled with the lower self, and then the fight was won. Faith rose triumphant, unbelief was not. Ambition covered up his face and fled away. And Jesus said, the wealth, the honor, and the fame of earth are but the baubles of an hour. When this short span of earthly life has all been measured out, man's bursting baubles will be buried with his bones. Yea, what a man does for his selfish self will make no markings on the credit side of life. The good that men for other men shall do becomes a ladder strong on which the soul may climb to wealth and power and fame of God's own kind that cannot pass away. Give me the poverty of men, the consciousness of duty done in love, the approbation of my God, and I will be content. And then he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, My Father God, I thank thee for this hour. I ask not for the glory of thyself. I fain would be a keeper of thy temple gates and serve my brother man. Again was Jesus called to stand before the hierophant. Again, no word was said, but in his hands, the master placed a scroll on which was written faith. And Jesus bowed his head in humble thanks, then went his way. Chapter 51. Jesus passes the fourth brotherhood test and receives the fourth degree, philanthropy. When other certain days had passed, the guard led Jesus to the hall of mirth, a hall most richly furnished and replete with everything a carnal heart could wish. The choicest viands and the most delicious wines were on the boards and maids in gay attire served all with grace and cheerfulness. And men and women richly clad were there and they were wild with joy. They sipped from every cup of mirth. And Jesus watched the happy throng in silence for a time. And then a man in garb of sage came up and said, Most happy is the man who, like the bee, can gather sweets from every flower. The wise man is the one who seeks for pleasure and can find it everywhere. At best, man's span of life on earth is short, and then he dies and goes he knows not where. Then let us eat and drink and dance and sing and get the joys of life, for death comes on apace. It is but foolishness to spend a life for other men. Behold, all die and lie together in the grave. 
where none can know and none can show forth gratitude. But Jesus answered not upon the tinseled guests in all their rounds of mirth. He gazed in silent thought. And then among the guests, he saw a man whose clothes were coarse, who showed in face and hands the lines of toil and want. The giddy throng found pleasure in abusing him. They jostled him against the wall and laughed at his discomfiture. And then a poor, frail woman came who carried in her face and form the marks of sin and shame. And without mercy, she was spit upon and jeered and driven from the hall. And then a little child with timid ways and hungry hungry mean came in and asked for just a morsel of their food. But she was driven out uncared for and unloved and still the merry dance went on. And when the pleasure seekers urged that Jesus join them in their mirth, he said, how could I seek for pleasure for myself while others are in want? How can you think that while the children cry for bread, while those in haunts of sin call out for sympathy and love that I could fill myself to full with the good things of life? I tell you, nay, <laughs> we all are kin, each one a part of the great human heart. I cannot see myself apart from that poor man you so scorned and crowded to the wall, nor from the one in female garb who came up from the haunts of vice to ask for sympathy and love, who was by you so ruthlessly pushed back into her den of sin, nor from that little child that you drove from your midst to suffer in the cold, bleak winds of night. I tell you, men, what you have done to these, my kindred, you have done to me. You have insulted me in your own home. I cannot stay. I will go forth and find that child, that woman and that man, and give them help until my life's blood has all ebbed away. I call it pleasure when I help the helpless, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, heal the sick, and speak good words of cheer to those unloved, discouraged, and depressed and this that you call mirth is but a phantom of the night but flashes of the fire of passion painting pictures on the walls of time and while the logo spoke the white robed priest came in and said to him the council waits for you then Jesus stood again before the bar Again, no word was said. The Hierophant placed in his hands a scroll on which was writ philanthropy. And Jesus was a victor over selfish self. Chapter 52. Jesus spends 40 days in the temple groves, passes the fifth brotherhood test, and receives the fifth degree, heroism. The sacred temple groves were rich in statues, monuments, and shrines. Here, Jesus loved to walk and meditate. 
And after he had conquered self, he talked with nature in these groves for 40 days. And then the guide took chains and bound him hand and foot. Then cast him into a den of hungry beasts, of unclean birds and creeping things. The den was dark as night. The wild beasts howled. The birds in fury screamed. The reptiles hissed. And Jesus said, Who was it that did bind me thus? Why did I meekly sit to be bound down with chains? I tell you, none has power to bind a human soul. Of what are fetters made? And in his might he rose, and what he thought were chains were only worthless cords that parted at his touch. Then he laughed and said, These chains that bind men to the carcasses of earth are forged in fancy's shop, are made of air and welded in illusion's fires. If man will stand erect and use the power of will, his chains will fall like worthless rags. For will and faith are stronger than the stoutest chains that men have ever made. And Jesus stood erect among the hungry beasts and birds and said, What is this darkness that envelops me? Tis but the absence of the light. And what is light? Tis but the breath of God vibrating in the rhythm of rapid thought. And then he said, Let there be light. And with a mighty will, he stirred the ethers up and their vibrations reached the plane of light. And there was light. The darkness of that den of night became the brightness of a newborn day. And then he looked to see the beasts, the birds and creeping things. Lo, they were not. And Jesus said, of what are souls afraid? Fear is the chariot in which man rides to death. And when he finds himself within the chamber of the dead, he learns that he has been deceived. His chariot was a myth and death a fancy child. But someday all man's lessons will be learned and from the den of unclean beasts and birds and creeping things, he will arise to walk in light. And Jesus saw a ladder made of gold on which he climbed. And at the top, the white robed priest awaited him. Again, he stood before the council bar. Again, no word was said. Again, the hierophant reached forth his hand to bless. He placed in Jesus's hand another scroll. And on this one was written, heroism. The Logos had encountered fear and all his phantom host. And in the conflict, he achieved the victory. Chapter 53. Jesus passes the sixth brotherhood test and receives the sixth degree, love divine. <clears throat> In all the land, 
There was no place more grandly furnished than the beauty parlors of the Temple of the Sun. Few students ever entered these rich rooms. The priests regarded them with awe and called them halls of mysteries. When Jesus had attained the victory over fear, he gained the right to enter here. The guide led on the way, and after passing many richly furnished rooms, they reached the Hall of Harmony. And here was Jesus left alone. Among the instruments of music was a harpsichord, and Jesus sat in thoughtful mood inspecting it, when quietly a maiden of entrancing beauty came into the hall. She did not seem to notice Jesus as he sat and mused, so busy with his thoughts. She found her place beside the harpsichord. She touched the chords most gently, and she sung the songs of Israel. And Jesus was entranced. Such beauty he had never seen. Such music he had never heard. The maiden sung her songs. She did not seem to know that anyone was near. She went her way. And Jesus, talking with himself, said out, What is the meaning of this incident? I did not know that such entrancing beauty and such queen-like loveliness were ever found among the sons of men. I did not know that voice of angel ever graced a human form or that seraphic music ever came from human lips. For days he sat entranced. The current of his thoughts was changed. He thought of nothing but the singer and her songs. He longed to see her once again. And after certain days she came, she spoke and laid her hand upon his head. Her touch thrilled all his soul. And for the time, forgotten was the work that he was sent to do. Few were the words the maiden said she went her way. But then the heart of Jesus had been touched. A love flame had been kindled in his soul and he was brought to face the sorest trial of his life. He could not sleep nor eat. Thoughts of the maiden came. They would not go. His carnal nature called aloud for her companionship. And then he said, Lo, I have conquered every foe that I've met. And shall I now be conquered by this carnal love? My father sent me here to show the power of love divine, that love that reaches every living thing. Shall this pure universal love be all absorbed by carnal love? Shall I forget all creatures else and lose my life in this fair maiden, though she is the highest type of beauty, purity, and love. Into its very depths, his soul was stirred. 
and long he wrestled with this angel idol of his heart but when the day was almost lost his higher ego rose in might he found himself again and then he said although my heart shall break I will not fail in this my hardest task I will be victor over carnal love and when again the maiden came and offered him her hand and heart he said fair one your very presence thrills me with delight your voice is benediction to my soul my human self would fly with you and be contented in your love but all the world is craving for a love that I have come to manifest I must then bid you go but we will meet again our ways on earth will not be cast apart I see you in the hurrying throngs of earth as minister of love I hear your voice and song that wins the hearts of men to better things and then in sorrow and in tears the maiden went away and Jesus was alone again and instantly the great bells of the temple rang the singers sung a new new song the grotto blazed with light the hierophant himself appeared and said all hail triumphant logos hail the conqueror of carnal love stands on the heights and then he placed in Jesus's hands a scroll on which was written love divine together they passed from the grotto of the beautiful and in the banquet hall a feast was served and Jesus was the honored guest chapter 54 Jesus becomes a private pupil of the Hierophant and is taught the mysteries of Egypt in passing the seventh test he works in the chamber of the dead the senior course of study now was opened up and Jesus entered and became a pupil of the Hierophant he learns the secrets of the mystic lore of Egypt land the mysteries of life and death and the worlds beyond the circle of the Sun when he had finished all the studies of the senior course he went into the chamber of the dead that he might learn the ancient methods of preserving from decay the bodies of the dead and here he wrought and carriers brought the body of a widow's only son to be embalmed the weeping mother followed close her grief was great and Jesus said good woman dry your tears you follow but an empty house your son is in it not you weep because your son is dead death is a cruel word your son can never die he had a task assigned to do in garb of flesh he came he did his work 
and then he laid the flesh aside. He did not need it more. Beyond your human sight, he has another work to do, and he will do it well, and then pass on to other tasks, and by and by he will attain the crown of perfect life. And what your son has done, what he yet must do, all we all must do. Now, if you harbor grief and give your sorrows vent, they will grow greater every day. They will absorb your very life until at last you will be not. You will be not but grief, wet down with bitter tears. Instead of helping him, you grieve your son by your deep grief. He seeks your solace now as he has ever done, is glad when you are glad, is saddened when you grieve. Go bury, go bury deep your woes and smile at grief and lose yourself in helping others dry their tears. When duty done comes happiness and joy and gladness cheers the hearts of those who have passed on. The weeping woman turned and went her way to find a happiness in helpfulness, to bury deep her sorrows and a ministry of joy. The other carriers came and brought the body of a mother to the chamber of the dead, and just one mourner followed, she a girl of tender years. As the cortege neared the door, the child observed a wounded bird in sore distress. A cruel hunter's dart had pierced its breast, and she left following the dead and went to help the living bird. With tenderness and love, she folded to her breast the wounded bird, then hurried to her place. And Jesus said to her, Why did you leave your dead to save a wounded bird? The maiden said, This lifeless body needs no help from me, but I can help while yet life is. My mother taught me this. My mother taught that grief and selfish love and hopes and fears are but reflexes of the, from the lower self. That is what we sense are, I'm sorry, that what we sense are but small waves upon the rolling billows of a life. These all will pass away. They are unreal. Tears flow from hearts of flesh. The spirit never weeps. And I'm longing for the day when I will walk in light, where tears are wiped away. My mother taught that all emotions are the sprays that rise from human loves and hopes and fears. That perfect bliss cannot be ours till we have conquered these. And in the presence of that child did Jesus bow his head in reverence. He said, for days and months and years, I've sought to learn this highest truth that man can learn on earth and hear a child fresh brought to earth, has told it all in one short breath. No wonder, David said, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. And he laid his hand upon the maidens 
head and said, I'm sure the blessings of my father God will rest upon you, child, forevermore. Chapter 55 Jesus passes the seventh brotherhood test and in the purple room of the temple receives the seventh, the highest degree, the Christ. He leaves the temple a conqueror. The work of Jesus in the chamber of the dead was done, and in the temple purple room, he stood before the hierophant. And he was clothed in purple robes, and all the brothers stood. The hierophant arose and said, This is a royal day for all the hosts of Israel. In honor of their chosen son, we celebrate the great Passover feast. And then he said to Jesus, Brother, man, most excellent of men, in all the temple tests, you have one out. Six times before the bar of right, you have been judged. Six times you have received the highest honors man can give. And now you stand prepared to take the last degree. Upon your brow, I place this diadem. And in the great lodge of the heavens and earth, you are the Christ. This is your great Passover rite. You are a neophyte no more, but now a master mind. Now man can do no more, but God himself will speak and will confirm your title and degree. Go on your way, for you must preach the gospel of goodwill to men and peace on earth, must open up the prison doors and set the captives free. And while the hierophant yet spoke, the temple bells rang out. A pure white dove descended from above and sat on Jesus' head. And then a voice that shook the very temple said, This is the Christ. And every living creature said, Amen. The great doors of the temple swung ajar. The Logos journeyed on his way, a conqueror. Section XII, otherwise known as 12. Lamed, the council of the seven sages of the world. Chapter 56. The seven sages of the world meet in Alexandria. The purposes of the meeting, the opening addresses. In every age since time began have seven sages lived. At first of every age, these sages meet to note the course of nations, peoples, tribes, and tongues. To note how far toward justice, love, and righteousness the race has gone. 
to formulate the code of laws, religious postulates, and plans of rule best suited to the coming age. An age had passed, and lo, another age had come. The sages must convene. Now, Alexandria was the center of the world's best thought, and here in Philo's home, the sages met. From China came Mengsti. From India, Vijapati came. From Persia, Kaspar came. And from Assyria, Ashbina came. From Greece, Apollo came. Matenov was the Egyptian sage, and Philo was the chief of Hebrew thought. The time was due. The council met and sat in silence seven days. And then Mengsi arose and said, The wheel of time has turned once more. The race is on a higher plane of thought. The garments that our fathers wove have given out. The cherubim have woven a celestial cloth, have placed it in our hands, and we must make for men new garbs. The sons of men are looking up for greater light. No longer do they care for gods hewn out of wood or made of clay. They seek a god not made with hands. They see the beams of coming day and yet they comprehend them not. This time, the time is ripe, and we must fashion well these garments for the race. And let us make for men new garbs of justice, mercy, righteousness, and love, that they may hide their nakedness when shines the light of coming day. And Vijapati said, Our priests have all gone mad. They saw a demon in the wilds and at him cast their lamps and they are broken up and not a gleam of light has any priest for men. The night is dark. The heart of India calls for light. The priesthood cannot be reformed. It is already dead. Its greatest needs are graves and funeral chants. The new age calls for liberty. The kind that makes each priest a man. I'm sorry. I just totally read that backwards. Sorry about that. The new age calls for liberty, the kind that makes each man a priest, enables him to go alone and lay his offerings on the shrine of God. And Caspar said, in Persia, people walk in fear. They do the good for fear to do the wrong. The devil is the greatest power in our land. And though a myth, he dandles on his knee both youth and age. Our land is dark and evil prospers in the dark. Fear rides on every passing breeze and lurks in every form of life. The fear of evil is a myth, is an illusion and a snare but it will live until some mighty power shall come to raise the ethers to the plane of light. When this shall come to pass, the Magian land will glory in the light. The soul of Persia calls for light. Chapter 57 Meeting of the sages continued, opening addresses, Jesus with the sages, 
seven days silence. Ashbina said, Assyria is the land of doubt, the chariot of my people, that in which they mostly ride is labeled doubt. Once Faith walked forth in Babylon, she was bright and fair, but she was clothed in such white robes that men became afraid of her. And every wheel began to turn and doubt made war on her and drove her from the land and she came back no more. In form, men worship God, the one. In heart, they're not sure that God exists. Faith worships at the shrine of one not seen, but doubt must see her God. The greatest need of all Assyria is faith, a faith that seasons everything that is with certainty. And then Apollo said the greatest needs of Greece are true concepts of God. Theogony in Greece is rudderless, for every thought may be a god and worshipped as a god. The plane of thought is broad and full of sharp antagonists. And so the circle of the gods is filled with enmity, with wars and base intrigues. Greece needs a master mind to stand above the gods, to raise the thoughts of men away from many gods to God the One. We know that light is coming o'er the hills. God speed the light. Matheno said, behold, this land of mystery, this Egypt of the dead. Our temples long have been the tombs of all the hidden things of time. Our temples, crypts, and caves are dark. In light, there are no secret things. The sun reveals all hidden truth. There are no mysteries in God. Behold the rising sun. His beams are entering every door, yea, every crevice of the mystic crypts of Mizraim. We hail the light. All Egypt craves the light. And Philo said, The need of Hebrew thought and life is, li is liberty. The Hebrew prophets seers and givers of the law were men of power men of holy thought and they bequeathed to us a system a philosophy that was ideal one strong enough and good enough to lead our people to the goal of perfectness but carnal minds repudiated holiness a priesthood filled with selfishness arose and purity in heart became a myth the people were enslaved The priesthood is the curse of Israel, but when he comes, who is to come? He will proclaim emancipation for the slaves. My people will be free. Behold, for God has made incarnate wisdom, love, and light, which he has called Emmanuel. To him is given the keys to open up the dawn. And here as man, he walks with us. And then the council chamber door was opened and the logo stood among the sages of the world. Again, the sages sat in silence seven days. Chapter 58. Meeting of the sages continued. Presentation of the seven universal postulates. Now, when the sages were refreshed, they opened up the book of life and read. 
They read the story of the life of man, of all his struggles, losses, gains, and in the light of past events and needs, they saw what would be best for him in coming years. They knew the kind of laws and precepts suited best to his estate. They saw the highest God ideal that the race could comprehend. Upon the seven postulates, these sages were to formulate the great philosophy of life and worship of the coming age must rest. Now, Mengzi was the oldest sage. He took chair of chief and said, Man is not far enough advanced to live by faith. He cannot comprehend the things his eyes see not. He yet is child, and during the coming age, he must be taught by pictures, symbols, rites, and forms. His God must be a human God. He cannot see a God by faith. And then he cannot rule himself. The king must rule. The man must serve. The age that follows this will be the age of man, the age of faith. In that blessed age, the human race will see without the aid of carnal eyes. will hear the soundless sound, will know the spirit God. The age we enter is the preparation age. And all the schools and governments and worship rites must be designed in simple way that men may comprehend. And man cannot originate. He builds by patterns that he sees. So in this council, we must carve out pattern for the coming age. And we must formulate the gnosis of the empire of the soul, which rests on seven postulates. Each sage in turn shall form a postulate. And these shall be the basis of the creeds of men until the perfect age shall come. Then Mengsti wrote the first. All things are thought. All life is thought activity. The multitude of beings are but phases of the one great thought made manifest. Lo, God is thought and thought is God. Then Vijapati wrote the second postulate. Eternal thought is one. In essence, it is two. Intelligence and force. And when they breathe, the child is born. This child is love. And thus the triune God stands forth, whom men call father, mother, child. This triune God is one, but like the one of light, in essence, he is seven. And when the triune God breathes forth, forth, lo, seven spirits stand before his face. These are creative attributes. Men call them lesser gods, and in their image they made man. And, and Caspar wrote the third. Man was a thought of God formed in the image of the septonate, clothed in the substances of soul. And his desires were strong. He sought to manifest on every plane of life. And for himself, he made a body of the ethers of the earthly forms. 
and so descended to the plain of earth. In this descent, he lost his birthright, lost his harmony with God, and made discordant all the notes of life. Inharmony and evil are the same. So evil is the handiwork of man. Ashbina wrote the fourth. Seeds do not germinate in light. They do not grow until they find the soil and hide themselves away from light. Man was evolved a seed of everlasting life, but in the ethers of the triune God, the light was far too great for seeds to grow. And so man sought the soil of carnal life and in the darksomeness of earth, he found a place where he could germinate and grow. The seed has taken root and grown full well. The tree of human life is rising from the soil of earthy things and under natural law is reaching up to perfect form. There are no supernatural acts of God to lift a man from carnal life to spirit blessedness. He grows as grows the plant and in due time is perfected. The quality of soul that makes it possible for man is, I'm sorry, uh, the quality of soul that makes it possible for man to rise to spirit life is purity. All right, let me look. Okay, I'm going to read the next one and then we're going to end in chapter 60, which is where we'll come back next week. So chapter 59, meeting of the sages continued, the remaining postulates. The sages blessed Jesus, seven days silence. Apollo wrote the fifth. The soul is drawn to perfect light by four white steeds. These are will, faith, helpfulness, and love. That which one wills to do, he has the power to do. A knowledge of that power is faith. And when faith moves, the soul begins its flight. A selfish faith leads not to light. There is no lonely pilgrim on the way to light. Men only gain the heights by helping others gain the heights. The steed that leads the way to spirit life is love, is pure, unselfish love. Metheno wrote the sixth. The universal love of which Apollo speaks is child of wisdom and of will divine. And God has sent it forth to earth in flesh that man may know. The universal love of which the sages speak is Christ. The greatest mystery of all times lies in the way that Christ lives in the heart. Christ cannot live in clammy dens of carnal things. The seven battles must be fought. The seven victories won before the carnal things like fear and self emotions and desire are put away. And when this is done, the Christ will take possession of the soul. The work is done and man and God are one. And Philo wrote the seventh. 
a perfect man. To bring before the triune God a being such as this was nature made. This consummation is the highest revelation of the mystery of life. When all the essences of carnal things have been transmuted into soul, and all the essences of soul have been returned to holy breath, and man is made a perfect God, the drama of creation will conclude and this is all. I'm going to read that. I'm going to read that last one again. <laughs> when all the essences of carnal things have been transmuted into soul, and all the essences of soul have been returned to holy breath, and man is made a perfect god, the drama of creation will conclude, and this is all. And all the sages said, Amen. Then Mengsti said, The Holy One has sent to us a man illumined by the efforts of unnumbered years, unnumbered years, to lead the thoughts of men. This man, approved by all the masterminds of heaven and earth, this man from Galilee, this Jesus, chief of all the sages of the world, we gladly recognize. In recognition of this wisdom that he brings to men, we crown him with the lotus wreath. We send him forth with all the blessings of the seven sages of the world. And then all the sages laid their hands on Jesus's head and said with one accord, praise God for wisdom, honor, glory, power, riches, blessing, strength are yours. O Christ forevermore. And every living creature said, amen. And then the sages sat in silence seven days. And that's it. I'm going to end there. I'm going to have enough time for the rest. Chapter 60 is where we will pick up next week. Now, um, I did mention to you guys, I don't even remember when. I know probably a couple times over the past couple years that in my lessons, not this book, but in my lessons, did I hear that there is a great meeting? In fact, a thousand years after this particular meeting, I believe, is when the last meeting was held in Fez, Morocco. That's when they made the Holy Tarot. They made sure it went into playing cards so people would have it in their minds subconsciously. And the original first tarot was formed and these sages, they meet every, every age, these sages get together. I don't know if it's these exact sages, maybe they're different ones every time, but they are the top masters in the world because this is real. This was in my lessons and, and they said that, um, they put together the book, the holy book of tarot 
made it into cards that would be fun for people to look at, utilize, play with. They made it into a card, you know, into it like, you know, cards so that people can make up games around them and somehow would absorb the higher esoteric meanings of them. And that's what came after what we just read. And um, the original Holy Tarot, if you look at the Rider Weight Tarot, it is the closest to what those holy men in Fez, Morocco put together. Um, it's the closest example of what we have today now. Um, aside from the Paul Foster case deck that you have to paint yourself, if you take the lessons from Builders of the Aditum, BOTA.org is where I got mine. It's when I went into that mystery school. You know, you have to apply and then they look into your soul and see if you are a true seeker or not. They may even visit you in your sleep or even in your waking state to see what kind of a person you are, what you're doing at that moment to see if you are um, of the light or not. And they meditate on it. But this is what I learned in my holy lessons. I mean, I'm not reading the lessons. I don't have them in front of me, but this is what I remember. So I have never gotten this far into this book before. In fact, I think I was only the, when I stopped reading this book, I was only a couple of the degrees that Jesus had gotten. I remember him telling the woman, I am not done with you. We will meet again in this life. I do believe in my heart of hearts that this woman that he was tempted with the car, you know, by carnal the flesh. I do believe that was Mary Magdalene. We will find out later, probably. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of metaphysical soul speak the podcast. And I do hope that you will go at least look at Jupiter jewels.com and see what, um, what is available on her website. I know she's worked pretty hard on this business and, um, she's a truth seeker like you. She's one of us. So I wanted to mention that, um, anyway, that's it. If you have any questions for me ever, if you have any, um, thing you wanted to ask or have a conversation or just say, Hey, uh, write me, uh, my Instagram is at mermaid girl, eight, eight, eight. That's just my private one. And, um, there you have it. So yeah, I, um, I wish you guys a, a beautiful and happy week, whether you're listening to it this week that I'm making it or years into the future. I still wish you love and light LVX as they say. I hope that, um, this wisdom, this knowledge, this actual story of Jesus, it's 98% accurate. The people reading this, there was a 2% error margin of error, according to prime creator when I asked. So it's like almost hundred percent correct. All the things I'm reading to you. I hope that they help you. I hope that they help you, um, all of these chapters to reach new heights in your life and grow spiritually. That's why of course I do anything on the show is so that we can all come together in the glory of unity and once again be together outside of the baser 
energies of polarity, the us versus them mentality, the good versus evil mentality, the push me, pull you energetic third dimensional mentality. My goal is to get us to the fifth dimension. Come hell or high water. <laughs> and hopefully it won't come to any of those, but it might have to. We'll see. Anyway, that's it for now. I will be back tomorrow with all unique and original programming, just like always. And that's it for now. I love all of you. Thank you for being on the spiritual journey with me. Thank you for learning and growing and choosing to spiritually exist at the same time in the space-time continuum with me on this earthly plane of existence. Thank you. Hug yourself for me, and I'll be back tomorrow. But until then, I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the Holy Fifth Dimension. Till next time, guys, peace. guys, I've been making episodes of Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast, for a while now, and many of you have contacted me wondering just how you can support me and my podcast. Well, I have two solutions for this question. Number one is to become a listener supporter in which you go to the Anchor app, locate my channel, and sign up anywhere from 99 cents to $9.99 monthly, and you can stop anytime. Or number two is to make a one-time donation of any amount via Zelle, bank to bank, or through PayPal using my email, mermaidgirl888 at gmail.com, also located in the show description. Now with this option, you aren't uh, obligated monthly in any way, and you're also not limited. Thank you all so much in advance for your support. Let's keep metaphysical soul speak on the air and onward and upward to the fifth dimension together, guys. Thank you.